Welcome to Season 2 of I Fucking Love This Record, a music podcast hosted by me, the Derek Caraview. For Season 2, my guest hosts chose the record, and I'll be honest, sometimes I do not fucking love it. However, I did fucking love talking to each and every one of them about their choice. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. From on top of the world, we will be talking about Heaven Tonight, Cheap Trick's third studio album. It was produced by Tom Worman and released in 1978 on Epic Records. One of the claims to fame of this album, it was the first one to ever use a 12-string electric bass on the recording. High rolling on the other mic is teacher and Toastmaster Andy Hyten. How are you doing these days, Andy? Uh, pretty good. Thank you very much there. Um, like uh, Enjoying the sun that is streaming through my window today. You guys have sun over there. We, they, it hasn't come to Wrocław yet. Uh, yeah, no, nice and sunny here. Good to know. So now, Andy, this is uh, your choice. So obviously, season one, we talked about Billion Dollar Babies from Alice Cooper, uh, which was my choice. And uh, this is your choice for season two. So tell me, how did Heaven Tonight enter your life? How did it enter my life? I think probably the uh, the first song, Surrender, which I guess we'll talk about uh, in a while, uh, that entered my life before the album did way back in the days of video cassettes i remember uh we rented a movie without knowing much about it it was over the edge which i think is uh matt dylan's uh first uh kind of feature movie as as like a sort of a a star mm-hmm. and the soundtrack to that movie is great there's cheap trick there's a bit of van halen there's some ramones and the cars i think as well the first song uh, that's on, in the movie is Hello There by Cheap Trick. But later on, the, the song Surrender was there. So I really like the song. Um, it, I, there's a, an allusion to Kiss in there about getting his Kiss records out. I was well in, seriously into Kiss back in the day. So any band singing about listening to Kiss was cool with me. Uh, so I needed to find out more. All right, great. So you went out and uh, you bought Heaven Tonight uh, based on that, based on the soundtrack? Uh, well, no, first, I think uh, my first Cheap Trick album, I, g- I got uh, live at the Budokan. And then uh, I'm not a huge fan of live albums uh, because on that album, they've got uh, off the top of my head, uh, Surrender is there, Alvida Sane is there, maybe another couple of songs. But then uh, I got Heaven Tonight a little bit later. Okay. Yeah. So for me, I, I remember just hearing songs by Cheap Trick, I'm sure, on, on classic rock radio, uh, such as Surrender. And, and then uh, you probably, because we're about the same age, so Cheap Trick had a little bit of a resurgence, I believe, and it was, what, 87 or 88 with The Flame, uh, which I know they, they're they not really big fans of. I know they didn't write it. The, the record company kind of twisted their arm to record it, and it ended up being their biggest hit of all time, I think. Uh, and it wasn't a song that did much for me. I didn't hate it like a lot of people hated it so yeah that's how cheap trick was on my radar uh from that but i don't think i actually bought any cheap chick record until i think and i'm straining here i've been struggling trying to think about it i think i bought the first three records all right around the same time around 1999 i was working at a record store i was working at vinyl fever which it's the law i have to bring up vinyl fever at least once per episode <laughs> i want to say my my manager was really into cheap trick and they had the heaven tonight either came in used or it was at that nice price it was like 10 bucks or something and so i ended up buying those first three and heaven tonight is the one that i keep returning to like i like those others records there's some really good stuff there uh but this is the one that i i have a tendency to reach 
for. Uh, so there's no real big story behind. Uh, I didn't go through this heavy duty cheap trick period or anything. It's like I, I like what they do. I think that the they're a little bit specialized. I think they helped. I don't know if they created it, but I know that they were big proponents of power pop is essentially how it was uh, always explained. And that uh, I know that their their influence is pretty wide reaching, even though they've never really been a huge band. You know, they, they, they've had big songs and stuff, but they've never been that, you know, the the world beaters kind of thing. They're, they're sort of kind of like the huge band that never was. That's the, that's my take on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're not quite that never was, but in, and I know they're just touring animals. I mean, they are still out on tour, and, and apparently they just give it live every night. Every every time you, so anybody goes to see them, whether they're seeing them open up for a bigger band or if they're on a you know maybe a, a club tour or even playing like a state fair or something, they say that it's always one of the best shows you'll ever see. Yeah, are they, are they on a no fly list or something? Because they never seem to come to Europe anymore. <laughs> I'm just wondering if that's just a money thing. I don't know if they don't have a big enough audience. It's like a, a band that I really like, Monster Magnet, is a lot more successful in Europe than they are in America. So they tend to tour Europe all the time, and they rarely tour in the States, maybe not much past the Northeast where they're from. So I think it's just one of those that where the money is because, you know, getting over here is not a cheap proposition. Uh, and especially when you're hauling equipment and you need visas and you need blah, 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 you know, this kind of thing. So um, I just wonder if it's if it's a money issue that or, you know, the no fly list. We can go with that. That would make them sound a little bit cooler. <laughs> They're too rock. For, <laughs> too rock for, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to go ahead and get started with the uh, track by track analysis. And uh, once again, since this is your choice, I'm going to let you lead off. So track one, side one, surrender. What are your thoughts here, Andy? Wow. Like, as I said, um, this this is the I guess it's the first song that stuck with me when I watched that movie all those years ago. Uh, and also um, it's I think I guess it's one of their most famous songs. What's it about? It's about like being a teenager. I was a teenager when I when I heard um, this song the first time and multiple times after that. And I guess it's like a, a teenager trying to come to terms with getting older trying to figure out what their parents are about, parents saying one thing, doing something else, like not really trying to figure out things. Yeah, I don't know, it's, just, it's a song of teenage angst talking about Kiss records as well. Yeah, <laughs> this is how you kick off an album. I mean, this song is a fucking world beater, man. This is just a great, just, I mean, it's just great. This is a, a terrific song. It's just right out of the gate. It's like, all right, you know, I wonder, because I think this is, like I said, their third record. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're like, all right, what do we, you know, we, we they're not, reinventing themselves so this is pretty much this is a standard cheap trick record and then you put the needle down it's like man that's just you know boom right there and like you said it is about it's about teenage angst but it's also i guess kind of figuring out that your parents are people mm-hmm. uh and not just some kind of mythical figures looming over you like when you're a kid uh and just that you know mommy's all right daddy's all right they're both just a little weird almost mature <laughs> Yeah. Uh, without quite going that far, we're not we're not quite in the to the twenties or thirties yet. When you realize that you know not only are your your parents people and flawed, they they can also be kind of they they can be all right. They they did their best or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so I I really I love this song. There's not a you know it, this is this is a staple for a reason. I mean, there's a sometimes there's songs you hear on the radio all the time and you just you start to wonder why. This is not one of those songs. This is a song that uh, deserves all the all the airtime that it still gets uh, all these you know million year, millions of years later. Yeah, I've got to say, like this morning before our conversation, I, I left home at 6.30 a.m. and I wanted to re-listen to the, the album 
So it was a great wake up call at 6.30 when I started up the car and, and, and the drums uh, sort of like, because it starts off with drums, uh, which is a great way to wake up at 6.30 in the morning and listening to Surrender. And also I can say it's the one, one of the few songs that I'm happy to sing when I'm by myself in my car. Uh, I'm singing at full volume as well. I am not going to give a demonstration here and now, but like uh, it was great fun this morning. And it is every morning or afternoon whenever I listen to it. It's a great song. It's a timeless song. It's one of those songs you can't get bored of, quite simply. Yeah. And it, this is a great scream-along song in the car when nobody can hear how terrible you sing. Yeah, this is a good one. Mm-hmm. So uh, track two, On Top of the World. Uh, and this one, I think, has uh, has a pretty cool groove to it. I mean, no matter what, you know, trying to follow up Surrender is hard, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think they do a pretty good job. It's got, like, just this cool guitar groove. I really I really like this one. I think uh, Rick Nielsen is obviously pretty respected as a, as a guitar player. And it just goes. I, on top of the world, you know, not much more to say about it. And having listened to this, obviously, a, a whole bunch of times in the last week, one of the things that I realized that I didn't hear before, and I don't know because there there's this other podcast that I listened to called uh, Play Disc, and they just did a show on Billy Joel's Innocent Man, which came out in the early 80s. But this, for some reason, just ever so slightly reminds me of Billy Joel, but from the late 70s. And I can't really put my finger on why. I don't know if, the, if there's something with the piano in the background or just something about the groove that it's working in just because it is, you know, 1978. So it's not over the top or anything. And it was just something I heard for the first time, uh, you know, yesterday. I was like, it's got just this Billy Joel element to it that I can't quite talk about. I love this song. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I've, I've, I'm not so sure about the, I wouldn't be able to say about the Billy Joel bed, but I think, and also, and also I'm not like a musical specialist, but I think they go into minor keys when you maybe don't expect it. So when when the song kicks off, it's all kind of let's say it's kind of happy, but then they, they're kind of um, sliding into minor keys somewhere in the choruses, so, so that there's a bit of melancholy to the song i think that's to do with the whole album it's an album of um sort of sliding on a scale of really really happy and really really kind of negative and sad uh so this song is sort of starting to make the the needle twitch from although surrender sure like its lyrical content is you know sort of like teenage angst like sort of working out who your parents are and stuff it's still like a really kind of happy sort of go-to song Whereas on top of the world, whilst also sort of starting like that, it starts kind of going a little bit like, the, as I say, the, the, the needle of happiness versus sadness starts uh, wobbling, if you kind of know what I mean. I do. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about it that way. I didn't. For whatever reason, while I was listening to this one, I didn't explore the lyrics too closely. Uh, obviously, with Surrender, you just kind of because you, you've shadowed those words so many times, you know, them. Uh, a lot of times I'll try to go in and at least explore the, the lyrics. But for this one, I just I just kept listening to it <laughs> mm-hmm. and instead of doing maybe a little bit more of the research I, I could have done. But I was just enjoying I was enjoying the moment with it. That brings us on to track three, California Man. What are your thoughts here? It's a happy song. I've got somewhere in my lost CD collection, like kind of cheap trick greatest hits. And, and, and it's there as well. It's not their own song, is it? It's by The Move or something. I didn't know that uh, when I first heard it. It's just, yeah, no, it's kind of a happy song. The needle is twitching back to like the sort of like happy, upbeat kind of stuff. And it's... Like you said, uh, somebody else's songs. So it was a cover, which I didn't realize uh, either. I don't think I've ever heard the original. 
Uh, and this is just really it's standard rock and roll, but it's done right. Uh, you know, this is like a, a template. If somebody was to say, you know, what is what's rock music, you could give them this song. And I think they would at least have an idea of what you were talking about. It's just all the pieces are there. Uh, they're all where they need to be. There's nothing extraordinary about this song, but it's one of those you're not going to fast forward it. It may not be your go to, but it's a it's a great song. It's a it's a quality song following those for these first three. Just like bam, bam, bam. It's like, all right, they knew what they were doing. Uh, they were ready for this record, and it sounds like it. So it's just, uh, it's a cool tune. I think, yep, we're old guys now, but I reckon I could probably play this song to my mum, uh, who, who's also even older than me, believe it or not. And, wow. uh, <laughs> and I reckon she'd like it. She's kind of like 1950s Elvis generation, but I think, as you say, like the rocking groove, um, she, she'd be able to recognize what's going on in that song and probably enjoy it. Uh, I'm having a quit, like having to think about it. Yeah, she, this would be one of her favorite songs from the album. I would probably say the same thing about my mom. She would probably like this one as well because there's no, because my mom's an early rock and roll person as well. So Elvis and the Beatles, and she she doesn't like it when people scream. That's that's her thing. If if there's yelling in a song, she does. She's not a fan, but uh, I think uh, she'd probably like this one. Okay, so track four, High Roller, and for me with the uh, the guitar sound on this one. Uh, especially right at the beginning. If this, I feel like if this came out just a couple years later with just a small tweak, this could be like a heavy metal song. It's not in the form that we hear, uh, and especially when it gets to the chorus, because then the chorus is pretty poppy. But just something about the approach of the guitar that I feel with just a little bit more distortion or just a little bit heavier, a little bit fat, just something slight, and you have an 80s metal song here. I like it in the form that it is, uh, so that that power pop poppy chorus is is really good so this is uh, a a little bit of a letdown i think from those first three Uh, i still like the song but this is where you kind of you can see why it's the second to last song on side one you know that's like they're not putting this in a prominent spot Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm a little bit surprised just from having done this podcast and listening to these records that either three or four wasn't more of a ballad uh that they come up like it's just four straight rockers actually five straight rockers on this first side there's no slowdown there's no letting off the gas on this first half what do you think about it sure it's it's like um as i say like, let's say the needle of happiness and, and and sadness if that's right i was saying it like uh again in this song i'm pretty certain there's like some sort of kind of minor chords and stuff and and, and it's again twitching away from the, the previous song in a similar way to On Top of the World. I, I don't know how to say it. It's, it's like a real, it's a, a fun song, but then there's bits that like sort of, again, there's, there's a lot of men- melancholy, not only in this song, but in the whole album, to be honest. But uh, but yeah, it kind of passes over to the end of the side, to be honest, in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Track five, Auf Wiedersehen. Andy, what are you thinking on this one? That's German, isn't it? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah gee whiz, like thinking about... Um, the lyrics it, that like as i say it's 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 this is super weird because like the music is kind of upbeat but i mean if you actually do listen to the lyrics it's about kind of killing yourself <laughs> and that's it there's no kind of hey don't kill yourself life is worth it it's just like no see ya there's no <laughs> which uh i'm sure you were talking about a few years later gee whiz a few years later when the pmrc was all saying that twisted sister is satan and stuff like this uh but maybe if they'd actually studied these lyrics they that the, these guys would have got it really bad compared to judas priest or something like that you know yeah uh, that's a good point yeah because <laughs> it really is like it's kind of a little bit upbeat but it's like saying okay yeah you uh you kind of don't really like life so kill yourself it's like uh it's it's really kind of weird and as i say that, that that's it's to do with the needle of happiness and melancholy and, and, and sadness and stuff 
here the, the needle is so totally shaking because it's kind of pretty like again there's like little in the chorus there's like kind of little uh minor keys but generally you know if you're not listening to the lyrics it's kind of a boppy song it's just uh, saying you know so long suicidal people kind of weird but like i like the song I love this song. Most days, this is my favorite song on the album. Most days. This is just a terrific way to end side one. This song just flat out rocks. I just, ah, uh, man, this is such a good song. I, I really, I guess I didn't explore it that closely because I never took this to be a suicide song as more of a breaking up with somebody song and just all the different ways to say goodbye. <laughs> uh, I'll have to listen to it a little bit closer next time or not, you know, so I can continue to uh, to live in my, my bubble where this like, is maybe, just a... Sorry, maybe if we listen to it backwards, it will reveal everything. Oh, yeah, that's... Well, yeah, of course, that's that's always the key to, to all the satanic powers is to play it backwards. Yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, so this is... Uh, yeah, this is a great way to end side one. This song just, just flat out rocks. Years ago, uh, a guy that used to... I used to work for a magazine. I was an editor for a magazine. And uh, a guy that I became friends with uh, wrote for that magazine a few times. And he would occasionally come up with these uh, challenges. And he had this desert island challenge. And it was like he had to pick, I, I couldn't remember exactly how many songs, but they had to come, a certain amount had to come from, I think it was like the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And then I think this was right at the year 2000. I, the, the complete details are beyond me right now because this was, you know, 15, 16 years ago. Um, or Jesus, almost 20 years ago. Uh, when that happened, I've, I've been here for 15, I've been in Poland for 15 years. So, uh, yeah, longer than that. Anyway, and this, this song made that desert island list. Uh, the, one of the, one of my 70s songs was this one. So that brings us to the end of side one of Cheap Tricks Heaven Tonight here on I Fucking Love This Record, hosted by me, Derek Caraview. Uh, on the other mic is Andy Hyten. Uh, Andy, so tell me, what do you got going on these days? What's happening with you? Haven't talked to you in a bit. That's right. Um, I'm continuing to pursue my career uh, as uh, someone helping people improve their English language skills and desperately trying to find ways of getting out of that career and doing something different. <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of gone back into that uh i was doing quite a lot of voiceover um haven't done some voiceover for a while oh i had um i had my one of my wisdom teeth out which was an absolute living nightmare so that's kind of screwed me up for a good at least a month um i will not tell the gory details because maybe there might be people listening who are just about to have uh, uh such a such an operation you don't want to know what can happen yeah, I had all four taken out at the same time. They knocked me out. I woke up. They were gone. It was nice. I had no problem. So uh, sorry to hear that you, uh, had, uh, you know, getting dental surgery in Poland can be a little uh, fraught with Oh, no, the dentist is great. It's just my teeth are uh, obstreperous. They don't want to be taken out. Like, uh, they don't want to, yeah. Don't wanna they don't want to go anywhere. I see. Okay. Yeah, it, it, yeah, God, nightmare. That's about it, really. And also, um, uh, maybe it's time for my little anecdote uh, that I was sharing with you, because um, talking a cheap trick, I was just reminding myself and laughing that way back in the 1980s, uh, it would have been Motley Crue's maybe second visit to London. Um, I think it was the Theatre of Pain. Theatre of Hate, that's right, isn't it? Theatre of Hate tour. Uh, pain. Uh, yeah, you were right the first time. Theater of pain. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's that's how much I'm into the crew now. Uh, and Cheap Trick uh, were supporting. And I remember being told about some guy. He must have been an old guy. And he bought a ticket for the concert. And he went to see Cheap Trick. And then he left before Motley Crue started. And back in the 80s, it was like, oh, my God, why? He didn't go. He didn't want to see Motley Crue. Now, this coming week, I'm off to Warsaw um, because like I live in Poland as well. 
Uh, I'm off to Warsaw to go see Megadeth, but they are supporting Five Finger Death Punch, uh, which I don't know much about. So I'm planning on <laughs> leaving after Megadeth have done their support uh, role. And uh, I now am the old dude. The old guy at the concert. <laughs> All right. So well, hopefully it's fine. Like I said it's been a million years, but I saw Megadeth a, a couple of times in the in the late 80s, early 90s, I think. So I uh, always put on a pretty good show. And but with like with you, I don't know anything about Five Finger Death Punch. I know they're a band. I'm sure I've heard at least one of their songs, but I don't think they're going to be on this show anytime soon. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll check out check out a couple of songs, but I reserve the right to leave when I feel like it. I won't, I won't from my side. I won't be missing anything. I'm going to go see Megadeth. Yeah, well, have have fun with that. So I'm not sure when this is going to play. So you will probably have already seen them by the time this airs. So I went uh, to see Megadeth. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully it was a good one. It was great. Uh, before we get to side two, let's hear uh, a little message from one of our friends. What's up, people? My name is Sean, and I'm the host of You're Not Listening, a podcast where we teach you how to actively listen to music one song at a time. Every episode, I sit down with my father, who was a mobile DJ for over 35 years, and we each bring a song to the table and talk about what makes it great, why you should listen to it, and why you should appreciate it through detailed analysis of the words and music, some personal stories that we might have with that, and hopefully will help you change your mind and get you listening to music in a little bit different way so you get a little bit more out of it. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. If you love music and you want to figure out how you can love it even more, maybe even learn how to appreciate a song that you think you hate, it's You're Not Listening, a music podcast. Check it out. Thanks, everyone. And now, back to the show. So we have side two of Heaven Tonight opens up with Taking Me Back. And my only real note for this one is, eh, I think this is the only this is the only dud on the album. It's like not so much a bad song, but not really sure why you would open up side two with this one. There's just not a whole lot going on with it. It's it's OK. I think it's your, your standard, you know, we broke up and I don't want us to be broken up kind of tune you know there's a million of those so uh just there's nothing for me to hold on to with this one there's no teeth to this one i'm surprised if they needed to use it that they didn't bury it down maybe a track two or three on side two as opposed to uh opening up the the second side of vinyl with it but uh what are your thoughts andy um yeah i'll go with that basically uh maybe it's a cunning place i mean like taking me back it's like kind of playing the back of the record or something i don't know uh, you, you were mentioning, because um, uh, I think in some ways Cheap Trick were kind of ahead of their time. And like if this was sort of, again, like early 80s or something, it would be labeled as, as AOR. Is that what you guys were saying? Yeah. In North America, like adult, mm-hmm. whatever, like kind of rock. And it is just kind of, it's a very safe song. Um, just like, I love you, baby, la di da It's 1978. I think if you think if that's 1978, it's kind of ahead of a lot of the stuff that was coming out in the early 80s. So I suppose it's got that going for it. Yeah, it's just it's it's one of, it's not a bad song. It's just not a particularly good song. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to track seven on the radio. What do you think? This is a rocking song. Like uh, we were talking about mums. I guess this would be like uh, another one of the songs that if I played it, my mum would like it. Yeah. Um, like sort of Elvis mum. And also talk, talking about uh, as a precursor to the 1980s. Now, I'm trying to think of any rock songs where you've got the dj speaking over at some point in the uh, song and I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid the only other song i can think of is uh, we built this city by starship uh, and so <laughs> and so what well, well, like this this is a precursor to it like uh, somewhere towards the end there's like the dj sort of like uh, doing his speaking over i wonder if starship copied cheap trick but let's not <laughs> we're not here to talk about starship 
Um, no, I like this song. It's like uh, it's fun. It's on the radio. Uh, it's a song about listening to the radio, uh, which I've been doing loads of recently. And I think we kind of forget about radio stations now in the day of Spotify and other streaming services and stuff like that. That's a great. Song. I like it. I think it's a little cheesy, but fun. I think this is of the era. There's a there's a ton of songs about learning to love rock and roll because of the radio and going to visit your friends on the radio mm-hmm. uh, and how the, the DJ was there for you, you know, for your dance party, for your breakup, for your uh, first kiss and all this other stuff. And so I think there's a bunch of songs like that. I can't, of course, I can't think of any right now. Uh, and with having the DJ, I was the same. I could only think of that other terrible song that you brought up. Uh, and I'm sure there's other ones, but I couldn't I couldn't come up with that either. So this is what I would almost have rather opened up side two, just because it's got at least that cheesy bounce to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I'm not going to put this on a compilation tape anytime soon, but I do. It's a it's a fun song. It's just a silly uh, a little bit of a silly song and, and, and kind of like you said, a throwback to uh, you know, the, the 50s and 60s mom. Yeah, okay, and it's cheesy, but it's um but it's better cheesy than the previous song, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean it's it's the good kind of cheese. It's one of yeah. those it's like, eh, it's it's uh, you know, it's more like silly or goofy and but you can't really fault it because that's kind of the point. That's I think what they were going for. So a little bit of a throwback sound and you know, so I mean these were guys who were obviously completely influenced by that early rock and roll because that's all there was, you know, considering their age and you know what's going on with this band. That's that's what was there. So Mm-hmm. And you still hear songs even today, you know, you'll have a, people talking about hearing stuff on the radio, even though I don't think that person actually listens to the radio. It's just sort of a, a set genre almost of, uh, of songwriting. OK, so track eight, the title track, Heaven Tonight. Other times when Auf Saint is not my favorite song, it's because this one is my favorite song. I love this song. It's a little bit creepy uh, and it's obviously about somebody. For, and, well, I think it's about somebody with a drug addiction. Yeah. Uh, and the idea of going to heaven tonight is is taking is taking drugs. Uh, but just the way he sings it and uh, the music is is almost a little bit sinister. Whereas the rest of this record is even like you said, when they're talking about stuff that's maybe not very nice, the music kind of belies that. Whereas this one, it's all in. This is your needle all the way down. I like the the backing vocals and just the way he sings, the way he's drawing out certain words and just the imagery and just that almost ironic, you know, do you want to go to heaven tonight? And it's, you know, that was a lot of times would be like a love song. That's like, oh, let's go to bed. And instead, it's like, you know, pass me the needle. Yeah, I love this song, even though it's not the most, uh, not the most cheery, but uh, man, this is a great song. What do you think? Uh, musically, yeah. Um, but again, like uh, we talked about the needle, this is uh, maybe, you know, like uh, I remember like when, I, when we first got the record or like, I don't know if I was the first in like my group of friends to get the record and even the cover uh like the front side like of the uh the record album like the guys look pretty stoned then uh on the flip on the on the back of the record like they're sort of much more happy and buzzy and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, but then again like sort of short musically it's great but like i find it very depressing it's a good song but uh when i'm when i'm listening to it uh on a streaming service i'd probably to be honest i'm afraid to say i'd st- uh, skip the song because I prefer happy songs. But like this is musically, it's a great song uh, for sure. It's about drugs, or I suppose um, for those people who are sensible and never took drugs, um, you know, you know when you're like very very drunk and you just really don't want to be drunk anymore. It's something like that, but to do with drugs, and you can really feel. 
I think they probably did some uh, field uh, research before they wrote the lyrics and the music to this song. <laughs> uh, That's uh, you, you certainly possible. Of, you can really kind of feel the despair, the despair of coming down from like uh, they're talking about taking lines, so when they're coming down from cocaine or something like that. Mm-hmm. I imagine. Musically, it's great. I find it very sad, and I'm not a big fan of listening to sad music. So, uh, given the option, I skip this song when I'm listening to this album. Sorry to yep. say, pressing the needle is like banging at the bottom of like the melancholy sad dial that we were talking about earlier. That means you would fast forward it right onto this next song, "Stiff Competition." What are your thoughts here? So again, like uh, talking about this needle. Wow, needle drugs heaven tonight. Uh, but talking about this uh, sort of like really happy, positive and, and uh, sort of like this um, sort of sad. Like I think after us having listened to uh, Heaven Tonight, they're, they're um, kind of trying to bring us back up. It's a pretty good job. It's, uh, you know, it's a pretty uh, happy go to song. Yeah, it definitely moves it back up. So, uh, you know, I had mentioned I was surprised that on side one, you know, track three or four wasn't more of the ballad. Uh, we do see that here on side two. So track eight, or, you know, the third track is Heaven Tonight, you know, the only, let's say, slow song on the on the record. Uh, and then, of course, you have to follow that up with a rocker. And they did uh, Stiff Competition. This is just great rock and roll. And it reminds me a bit of uh, the other track on side one that we talked about with like California Man. It's like there's not a whole lot to say because it's just it does what it does and it does it well. Um, I, I really like this song. Taking you right back out of the uh, out of what they they put you through with the title track. And then it's like, yeah, yeah, here we are back again. Guitars are out. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, it's it's like it's like bringing you back up like uh, uh, um, after the really heavy like come down like uh, of, of, of uh, the heaven tonight there. It's like kind of bringing you back up to some level of happiness. Mm hmm. So track 10, How Are You? This one starts with the piano, and it really feels like it's going in a different direction. So this is, you know, there's bits of piano throughout this record, but this is the only one that I remember really leading off. And then it does kind of a a roundabout on you because you're thinking it's going this way, but it goes a different way. Uh, And then it's kind of got that barroom stomp going Mm -hmm. for it for a bit. And then it just goes into into a power pop, uh, like just the classic power pop sound uh, and i wonder how many bands really owe their sound to this particular track because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, i know uh, cheap trick is obviously a big influence on a lot of those guys and just hearing this it's like i you know i, I can see bands resurrecting an entire career just on this one song what do you think yeah i just but um because as i say i was listening to the whole album uh, earlier today I kind of got like it's sort of John Lennon meets ELO. I don't know if you can <laughs> if you can like sort of have a mashup, but it's something like that. Like the 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 the, the sort of um, more rocky songs of John Lennon in in his solo times, connected with kind of electric light orchestra or something. Like it's, it's a great it's a great song. I like this song. They're almost are like for me. They're almost asking you um, like after getting through that, bringing you up, taking you down. Uh, throughout the whole album, they're like, kind of checking up to make sure that you, the listener, are doing okay. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's straight up, that's how I like. Sort of, hey, how you doing? Like, uh, I've been working all night. They made this record. Uh, I hope everything's okay. And it's and as you say, it's like kind of like a sort of a foot stomping, happy kind of piano, like uh, great song. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That they were checking in, checking in on the listener. It's like we've taken you on a little bit of a ride. Is everything okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so that brings us on to the final track, Eau Claire, uh, which is actually not listed on the LP label or album cover. 
Uh, it's a super short song. Um, what do you think here? Uh, I think that's just a bit of music that they couldn't work out where to stick it. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, doesn't it? It sounds like the kind of the fade out at the end of a song. So that's where they chugged it on at the end of the album, eh? Yeah, it's like a little extra. It's like uh, we're just gonna we're gonna play you out. We're gonna say goodbye in Japanese a couple times. So uh, it's probably just left over from the the live at uh, Budokan or something. Which uh, which the industry uh, there like the inside scoop is that that wasn't actually a live album. Oh. Uh, but uh, I, I, I can't remember if that's been definitively debunked or not. But that was one of the things I remember hearing was uh, uh, that Robin Zander w- was always, I guess, late to the studio. And mm-hmm. so when he did show up, the producer started putting uh, clapping, you know, kind of ironically because he was finally there. Okay. And then they then they released that it's actually a studio album, but with uh, you know, a little bit of um, live sweeteners, though that has also been denied. I don't know if that's true or not. Oh, I can't remember that story. Yeah. So uh, okay. So that brings us to uh, the end of the record, end of the show. So Andy, uh, as always, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come talk to me about this record. I'm glad you chose this record, uh, mainly because it's one that I, I really like this record, but I don't go all the way to love. But I was happy to talk about it. So I'm, I'm, this is like that sweet spot for me when people choose these albums that I really, really like and I can talk about, but probably would not have chosen myself. So I appreciate that. Well, yeah, no, and just like a, as a little like uh, uh, coda, I'd just like to say, I mean, if there's anyone in Europe listening outside of North America, because I think Cheap Trick are kind of like a very North American band and unfortunately not no, not known so well out of North America. So maybe people are hearing about this band or about this album for the first time. I totally recommend checking them out because it's like it's uh, a, a fantastic band that that's real. It's a real shame that they've not been to Europe in like 30 years. Yeah, I hadn't uh, I hadn't realized that till you till you brought it up that the last time they were here was opening up for Motley Crue. It's kind of strange. So, uh, yeah. So I would agree. You should definitely check out Cheap Trick, especially these first uh, three four records are uh, are fucking great. So I have been the Derek Careview. This has been I fucking love this record. Uh, if you have not already, please subscribe, like, share, spread the word, tell people about my show because I, I work really hard on it and I'd love it for people to you know actually listen to it. So for those of the those of you that do, thank you very much and goodbye. Thank you for listening to I Fucking Love This Record. If you would like to co-host an episode, contact me at lovethisrecord at gmail.com. This and every episode can be found on my website, lovethisrecord.com. If you would like to follow us on Facebook, it's Love This Record. Twitter and Instagram, Love This Record 1. Music provided by The Ashes of Grissom. And thanks as always to original patron, Mark Evers. Please remember to subscribe, like, and review, and we'll see you next time. 